Set your faces to fun and hold on to your buns. Let's talk Star Trek, the next generation. With Charlie and Megan, shut up, Wesley, you're dumb. So come on, set your faces to fun. Uh, welcome back to Set Phasers to Fun, everybody. Episode number 15. Episode 15! I think uh, we returned to form last episode. Gave you some real real good value for your money. What a relief. Yeah. It was really hard being formless for those two weeks. Uh, <laughs> and now we're back again. Uh, it's Friday afternoon. Feeling good. Megan, let's start, off, let's start right off with some really recent listener mail. I love listener mail! I'm very happy to hear that Bryce did not drill a hole in his head, as I suggested. Nice job. Uh, good work there. Thank you for not taking me literally. And your family for not suing me. Yeah, nice. all good decisions all around. Except for the, the advice part. Right. <laughs> uh, Jenna writes in, simply writing, Data's visor. Why? Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> Jenna, for those of you who don't know, of course, is referring to Data's uh, poker visor that he wears during their, I guess, weekly poker game. You know, you got to imagine that Data has like, you know, because he doesn't have any personal effects really other than that holographic, you know, little bobblehead of Tasha Yar and like a book. And so I like to imagine he also has like a trunk full of costumes. (laughs) That he's like a... He's like a, let's put on a show, Judy Garland type, ready to go into the holodeck at a moment's notice. I think he's got, he's got a real eye toward the human experience. So his idea of that is like, I'm going to do the archetypical, <laughs> stereotypical version of that. Other people think that's lame, but I am, I am down to embrace the tradition. <laughs> He also has no sense of irony. So you know, like, he did the 24th century equivalent of Googling poker player and was like, well, I can't be a dog playing poker, but I see that they wear this visor, so that's what I will wear. And to Data's um, credit, the computer banks stopped being updated, apparently, when Joe Piscopo was popular, so the old-timiness of it is very excusable. (laughs) That's because... That's because when Joe Piscopo, after the Joe Piscopo thing, all the engineers were like, you know what, we got to remodulate this whole, our whole search engine. If the if typing in 20th century comedian leads to Joe Piscopo, clearly our search algorithms are messed up and we just got to like start from scratch. This is uh, a dark time after Google has just gone nuts and probably, well, they probably lost Google in the big apocalypse that happened, but I appreciate them. I thought that was hilarious when he wore it on the show and I watched it as a kid and I remain delighted by it. It is delightful. Data, it's it's as delightful as as um, when Data dressed up like um, was it Friar Tuck and he had that bald patch. Yep. Because he has no irony, so it's always funny. It's just like when it's like when um, you put Worf in a costume is always funny. Absolutely. When uh, I would submit that if I were to host a poker night and someone showed up with a green visor, I would welcome them. Here's a fun game. Who? Let's rank the characters, the main characters, in in uh, order of how much irony they have. Data, zero. Jordy, zero. Worf, zero. Riker has a little bit of irony. Riker, w- Troy, one. Yes. 1% irony. 1%. Beverly, uh, 1%. 2%. 2%. 2% irony. Riker, 5%. 5% irony. Yes, these are good numbers. 
Picard. Picard. He's got intelligence, which sometimes seems like irony. I would give I would give Picard two percent time with Beverly. Yes. Because every once in a while he'll make like a eye rolly face. Uh, as we all know, the king of irony, or the queen of irony, Ensign Sonia Gomez. <laughs> Guinan has some hella irony. Guinan's got crazy irony. Why? Because you're a droid and I'm annoyed. But why? Because that's what I am. Have I said something to offend you? Here's a Guinan question. Okay. Guinan was able to sense the problem during yesterday's Enterprise. Why couldn't she sense it when they got trapped in the ship when the got caught in the loop and kept blowing up? Mm. Why didn't she just walk into the poker game and goes, hey guys, uh, Riker was right, so just do that. Was she in that episode? Or was she on no. like Riza or something? She was not in that episode. I bet she was taking well-earned vacation to Riza, where she's like, these Harlequin <laughs> bartenders need to learn to mix a drink. I need a break. I like to think someone is pitching that idea and uh one of the nerdier writers said oh, well what about Guinan and Ron Moore was like shut up <laughs> right Guinan's on Riza <laughs> story broken next I bet Guinan has had a whole heaps of hot steamy affairs too sure she's got a lot of kids she yeah. says to somebody yeah good job um way to live your life to the fullest Guinan Second question comes in from superfan Jason McCullough. He says, Not once did anyone in either series talk about voting in Federation or Earth elections. There's a real technocracy vibe. Really good point. Um, and it's an excellent point. I think part of the Roddenberry ridiculousness of it all is that he thought, Oh, everybody's just going to agree on everything in the future. Why have elections? <laughs> It could be. All right, let me I'll, let me let me float a kind of a radical idea. Maybe they decided by the 24th century that the great American experiment was a bust and they're like democracy not not as great as you'd think. It's just a lot of fighting and really slow progress. Yeah. Maybe they found a better system of government that's not democracy. Or is it now that the Starfleet has a flotilla of ships floating on Earth that could zap everybody that steps out of line instantly? And they're like, we will have peace. I remember when I was a kid, I read one of those pick-a-plot books. You remember those, Charlie? Sure, sure. Turn to page 54 if you do this. Turn to page 78 if you do that. Choose and, your own adventure. Yeah, choose your own adventure. Yeah, exactly. And there was this um, one where the aliens landed, and, you, and they were like, you... You know, you either take us to your leader or we'll leave you in peace. And if you choose leave you in peace, they're like, we're sorry. We meant leave you in pieces and then you die. So maybe Starfleet's like that. Like, we'll, we're going to have world peace. I'm sorry, I meant world pieces. <laughs> it's like a whole dystopian future. We thought it was this, like, great, shiny, happy place. But maybe Turns it's... out, Alien's going to blow you up. You know what this smells like? The pilot of Firefly. That's what it smells like to me. I'm sorry I keep cutting out all of your Firefly and Buffy. Um, <laughs> I would say rants. Um, <laughs> but yes, longtime listeners don't even know that Charlie could take the the cutting room floor detritus of my Buffy and Firefly homages 
from this podcast and make a whole separate podcast called it's Gogarty's Off Topic. <laughs> I might still. You, be you a Whedon centric thing. It might be. It might be a dark day when I, there's no material and I have to. Uh, <laughs> I have to resort. All the times uh, Charlie cut Megan out of the Star Trek podcast because she was too busy talking about weed and properties. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, that does it for viewer mail and for uh, the thing that I just cut out that Megan just said. Uh, um, Should we tell her? I think it would be only fair. But let's allow her the moment. Megan, what would you like to talk about today? Ah, you know what, Charles? I would love to talk about the Klingon Empire because I just watched the um, season four finale, season five season premiere, um, which is when called Redemption Part One and Two, where Worf goes to the homeland, the Klingon Empire, to prevent a Klingon civil war and gets mm-hmm. his honor back. Yeah. And it's like he, in order to do it, at some point he has to resign from Starfleet because Starfleet can't meddle in affairs. And so he's like, well, then I resign. And he puts his little communicator pin on the table, on the little, yeah. like, Ikea blonde table of the conference room. And he's like, I'm resigning. And then he goes, lives as a Klingon for a while. And then he's like, this stinks. And <laughs> shenanigans, shenanigans. And then he comes back to the Federation. So I would like to talk about the Klingons. Fortuitously, I watched the Kalos episode. Uh, this morning, I forget what it's called. Fantastic. Wherein uh, Klingon Jesus comes back. <laughs> uh, and he's. Uh, uh, and Worf is having a crisis of faith because I guess he went to that planet where um, all of the survivors were living with the Romulans. And so he was real sad. So he goes to this, like, uh, kind of sweat lodge on the Klingon homeworld, maybe. Um, and then he shows back up. Kalos shows back up. And Worf's all like, what? Klingons have the only knife fight based society. (laughs) That That also has warp technology. Sure. They have knife fights and, um, the ability to travel via warp. You never see a Klingon nerd. No, God, they, the, they get they get sacrificed. They get thrown in a ca- in a canyon. Well, who built the warbirds? You know what? It was somebody. It was the equivalent of like somebody in their garage hot rodding. <laughs> a warbird is just like like a like I can make it go break the speed of sound. Like listening to their death metal. Right. I love how every Klingon looks like he's he's just one can of white grease paint away from being in a Kiss cover band. I always thought it was interesting. Um, Klingons have a lot of internal uh, quibbling, I guess. I guess you could call murdering a whole families or whatever quibbling. Um, <laughs> but they all wear the same thing. Yeah. They don't they don't bother with the with the colors. They don't they they're all grays and blacks and stuff. Right. Also, they also drink together right like in that episode when Worf is on the Klingon home planet and like the Klingons are all in civil war but they're all drinking together and knocking skulls together like little baby rams uh-huh. they're like ah you're gonna die you're gonna die too next round's on me har they're like pirates like piratey in my, that's my version I did like a pirate version they're kind of pirates they have a little they piratey are. vibe sure 
Um, the other thing is, is like Worf is way more concerned about honor than it seems like anybody else. Oh, absolutely. So you got to wonder, is that Klingon honor? Or is that just like Worfian honor? Son of Mog, the house of Mog. Yes. Worf, son of Mog. Don't give me that Klingon nonsense. We dishonor our sacred traditions? Oh, they're not sacred. They're absurd. It'd be cool if there was a house of Moog, and it was like the uh, electro keyboard buddies, Partridge family, <laughs> the Partridge family of, of Kronos. <laughs> and they play prog rock. That'll be that episode will be performed at our fanfic convention at the Rose Bowl. October 17th, mark your calendar. It's going to be amazing. Now I'm just imagining Klingons with Parpridge family-esque feathered hair. Sure. I bet they would be divine. Oh, man. Everybody looks good in feathered hair. I'm sure the lady Klingons at some point have had feathered hair. Oh, let's speak about the lady Klingons, right? Because in this episode, we get to see, like... Worf's family's Duras, right? Like Duras is the bad guys, the Duras clan, yeah. and Duras is killed, but he's got two sisters, and their Klingons are totes patriarchal, so they don't have a shot, but they find right. this other kid. But anyway, so we have the Duras sisters, the scheming Duras sisters. First of all, don't you love their chest armor that's got a little hole that's like an aim here hole right at the heart? They're yep. like, go ahead. Give it a try. I would like to imagine that Klingon anatomy is such that their bone plate is super thick in the females. Like they have a super thick sternum. Mm -hmm. And so they're like, I don't even need armor. I would like to think it's that and not just like creepy cleavagey sexism. Maybe their boobs have bones in them. Yeah, I definitely think they have their boob bone society for sure. They have like a little, you know, a little patella in the front of their. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Their, their, yeah. their, their breasts are more like bone cages. Lursa and Bator. Yeah, Lursa sisters, and right? Bator. Yeah, that's right. And one um, of them was sexy, always trying to seduce people. Right. They were basically like the Patty and Selma of, um, <laughs> of Star Trek. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, the sexiest Klingon lady, hands down. Kalar. Oh, 100%. No question. Because she didn't put up with any guff, but no. she also didn't feel like she had to have a hole in her breastplate to prove anything. Just a real smoky, uh, kind of sex potty strong lady. Yeah, she was awesome. 100%. Real, yeah, real confident. Yeah. And Worf's like, I don't know, my honor. Can it, we got to get married now. Oh, Worf. Because we had sex on the holodeck, I guess, right? Didn't they? Yeah, they mated on the holodeck. They totes mated. It was hot. Right. Hot with two T's and a breastplate. And here comes little whiny-ass Alexander. See? So that's, you never know what you're going to get. Life is like a box of Alexander chocolates. You know what's super weird is that episode where Alexander comes back from the future. (laughs) Have you seen that one? I forgot about that episode. It's nuts. And it doesn't make any sense. And Worf is like... Worf believes him immediately. <laughs> Do you suppose the writers had like like a game of celebrity, only instead of putting names of celebrities on pieces of paper, they put names of like 
ridiculous plots and then like they got drunk one night and like you gotta pull out a ridiculous plot and whatever you get you have to write it and that's and they were like alexander comes back from the future and they're like i guess i gotta do it (laughs) i gotta hope so chip chalmers dared me to do it chip chalmers chip chalmers longtime listeners know that chip chalmers is the funniest named writer in uh in a just a list of funny named writers on star trek the next generation still can make jokes you don't like people with a sense of humor i did not say that yeah poor Worf. um he believes he's really gullible on top super of gullible because he has no irony he would do better he, to have a little irony he believed uh in like Galron, who's like kind of a dick, knew saw right through Kaelas. Worf's like, nope, nope, that's Jesus. Let's hang. And then uh, Alexander basically said, "Yeah, I'm Alexander from the future. Uh, <laughs> I remember my, when my mom died." And he's like, "Only, only Alexander would remember when his mom died." <laughs> Shut up, Wesley. Uh, we have a batliff. Castle yeah. Gogarty has one. We use it to cut pizza. It's like, it's, yeah, it's like it's like a foot long. It's for pizza cutting. Oh, I don't a think they. Luna, they're called. Yeah, they didn't market it as a bat lift, but it clearly is one. Did you put your own leather straps on the handles? <laughs> we don't cut that much pizza. It doesn't really hurt our hands that much. How about when Worf got uh, paralyzed? Oh, he's like, you better kill me. And uh, Crusher's sick of the other doctor's screwball antics. Yeah, that's a great episode because it's also there's like a ton of those kinds of episodes that like the the people have different values slash medical conundrum episodes like the episode when Loxana Troy dates um the guy from Mash and he's like I'm gonna have to kill myself by this by the time I'm turned sixty five and she's like old people have value you know what I'm talking about <laughs> I do. Like that episode, and it's like, is he killing himself? Is that good or bad? Like, our values say, don't kill yourself. But his values say, yep, kill yourself. God, I wish I wish a line from that show had been, life has value. <laughs> and he's like, and the guy from MASH is like, no, suicide is painless. It brings on many changes. Zing. Boom. That's why they hired him. That's why we hired you on this podcast <laughs> to do those kind of. I was expecting fan outcry about your Kalos shoe store uh, <laughs> joke, but no, no one said anything. No, that's because they they saw the wisdom in it. They saw the Kalos shoe store wisdom. <laughs> maybe because they know that um, you know ignoring something is more hurtful than. <laughs> fighting it so they are treating me the equivalent of a toddler like just don't pay her any attention and it'll go away which is a a good strategy let's see how effective it is Um. (laughs) (laughs) on the on the flip side we are on episode 15 of a podcast that 30 people listen to so clearly we are undeterred oh no megan we have more than 30 people oh good i think maybe sometimes anybody (laughs) We kn- I know for sure of five people. My parents listened to a couple episodes. Oh, that's nice. They might be listening to this one. I don't know. Also, uh, a brief bit of housekeeping. Oh, yes. um, my mom informed me that when I said the name of my imaginary friend, I was wrong. Oh. Um, I said Elmer, which was actually the name of my teddy bear. 
my imaginary friend's name was Bulldog. <laughs> I apologize for management apologizes for the error. This whole time it was Bulldog this whole time. That's adorable. We've been living a lie. That is so cute. Yeah. My girl has an imaginary friend named Purple Darling. Purple Darling. Purple Darling is a horse. And she, she's like, come here, Purple Darling. Feel my power. That's what she says. Now, have um, have you told your daughter about um, Princess Peapod and the <laughs> Queen of Love and Beauty? I have not. I have not. Um, I have watched Star Trek with her, though. And she finds nice. the Klingons to be a little scary. And I was like, oh, they're actually not scary at all. Sure. Um, She's frankly part Klingon. Bears. My daughter is part Klingon, I think. Speaking of teddy bears, the Klingons are really just big teddy bears. Oh, yeah. They just, that's right. They just need someone to velveteen rab them, rabbit them into real boys and girls. <laughs> you never see a lot of Klingon home life. That's true. You don't see any, like, Klingon baking competitions. And you remember no. Klingons have that, like, remember that one episode where Worf got a dog, but it was like a warthog? Um, I do remember that. It was just for, like, a minute. It was like a, like, Q, I think it was the episode where some, uh, Riker got Q's powers or something like that, or Q was giving presents to people, and he gave Worf a warthog dog <laughs> and he's like yes uh-huh this is these are yep. the kinds of pets we had do you remember when Worf got turned into the old klingon uh warthog guy um when everybody on the ship started de-evolving oh yeah everybody turned like dnf turned into a fish and the um barkley went into a spider or something i just want to point out that the star trek the next generation is awesome what a great show. Right? Like, that's, that's a great... That's a, I'm real glad we are making this podcast. This is a show deserving of our right. attention. <laughs> I think that's awesome. I forgot that's, about that episode. That's great. These kittens were born less than 24 hours ago. So, Spot was giving birth to the kittens at the same time that she was changing into a reptilian life form. I believe so. For some reason, the intron virus was not passed on to the kittens. I was very excited in season seven when Worf and Deanna Troy got together, and I was very disappointed mm-hmm. that that whole romance was swept under the rug in later movies. It was. It was. By by insurrection. Yeah. They were just Worf like, was going like, never yeah, happened. You guys go out. Whatever. Never happened. She's back with her Imzadi. I always thought that was a cool pairing. The Beta Zed with the Klingon. God, if Worf had... If they'd have been true to character, Worf would have snapped Riker's neck. Right? And they would have gone to live on on Klingon homeworld. Yeah. And plus, I really like it from a character perspective of Worf. Like, a mellowing of his character. Like, he's all like... Because Worf was raised around humans, and so he's like... Klingon doth protest too much a little bit in the first few seasons. He's like, yeah, I'm bad. Right. I'm a big bad Klingon. Grr, arg. And then, sorry, a little Whedon reference there. And then he <laughs> goes to Klingon and he's like, this place blows and everybody's a dick. And so then he's like, 
whoa, the Klingon way is not my way. And then it becomes like a kindler, gentler wharf. Like he still, he still likes to fight. He still has the suicide stuff, you know, the knife. He's ready to kill himself or whatever. He's still got all that right. stuff, but he also is sort of like tempered with some, some a kinder, gentler, more open-mindedness. So that's totally who Diana should be writing. Absolutely. They totally should get together. And then in, um, this is outside of the universe, but um, he got together with the Trill, right? During, uh, during Deep Space Nine? I don't know. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> I remember watching the premiere of Deep Space Nine, and I went over to a friend's house because we were all stoked. We're like, great, new Star Trek show. And we were big fans of Generation. And so we went over and we watched Deep Space Nine, the premiere. I remember I was really uh-huh. excited, like trembling with excitement, as you can imagine. You might imagine. Sure. Teenage Megan, popcorn bowl, ready to rip. And the theme song was completely confusing to me. Right. And I was like, oh, this seems like a drag. Like, that was my impression. I was like, this theme song is a drag, and these characters are drag, and everything seems kind of like a drag. Uh, And so I was out. And I think now, maybe in my, I'm older, I'm wiser, more seasoned, I've seen some of the rough edges of life, maybe I could get into Deep Space Nine a little bit more. (laughs) Maybe. Yeah, I, I watched the pilot and I agree with that assessment that I thought things were just like, you go from the Enterprise, which is bright, everything's carpeted, and your friends are all there, your space friends, <laughs> on the TV, and then you go to this weird place and there's Ferengi everywhere, and like, <sighs> ugh. Gross. Yeah, everything's falling apart, and they're all talking about how miserable everybody is. Yeah, and there's that noseless guy who's all like, I'm cranky. <laughs> <laughs> I've talked about it before, but my favorite Worf moment is when he, uh, in one motion, in the mind rape episode, um, when Troy gets mind raped a bunch, uh, when Worf, in one motion, slaps the mind rapist unconscious, catches him, and hands him off to his assistant. Oh, beautiful. It is the only time Worf really got to go for it. Good for Worf. Because the yeah. other thing about Worf, which we have discussed, but since we're talking about Worf and Klingons, is like, he's always wrong. Like, Worf is the comic foil. He's always wrong. He's always doing the wrong the thing. Time. He's always like, I know, let's do this plan. And they're like, yeah, that's a terrible plan. Like, he's just, right. they just kick him around all the time. So whenever yep. he can be on top, like, that's always novel and welcome. Uh, sure. Uh, he's like, oh, this guy's Jesus. Well, maybe not. Oh, well, we should fire a torpedo at these guys. Eh, don't do that either. <laughs> let's, let's, uh, yeah, whatever. Uh, thanks for the suggestion, Worf. And then Picard turns around and does the jerk off motion. Yeah. <laughs> Picard's like, he's like, I'm trying to formulate a plan. Worf, what's your idea? So I know what not to do. Right. <laughs> I think we should, I think we should, uh have a limit on Starbucks in this town. That's it! Starbucks on every corner! Wife doesn't know. You know, you know the episode where uh, everybody got their memory erased by the mystery guy? Yeah! Uh, uh, that was, and Worf got to be the captain because yeah, he was wearing the sash. Because he was wearing the sash. They're, they're lucky he didn't blow the ship up. 
the other thing about Worf is that he wants to be in charge, and frankly, he just he's not ready. They're right not no. to listen to him. His his he's the right to. He doesn't have the temperament. Again, no. that's one of the things I like about Next Generation, because they're like, who makes a good leader? Is it the rock'em sock'em cowboy? Is it the guy who wants to fight? Or is it the savvy diplomat? Yeah. And they vote for savvy diplomat, which they should, and they're right. Yeah. Now, he was a captain in the later, like in the future ones, right? Yeah, probably. Um, like when Picard, the very last episode where Picard is an old man and traveling through time. Oh, yeah. I think Worf had his own ship. Was it a Klingon ship? I don't remember. Mm, I don't remember either. It's weird how he had to serve on the Klingon ship that his younger brother was the captain of. Yeah. And he's all like, we should do this. And he's like, I'm the captain. He's like, but I am the older brother. Ugh, conflict <laughs> yeah. of interest. They're still going by the the seniority system there. Right? They're just a backwards people. I'm sorry. The patriarchy, the weird, what my, the sins of the father visited on the kids, malarkey. Yeah. Like, they yeah. need a, they needed some hippie, they need a dose of hippie, live and let live. Like, Marlo Thomas needs to come and do a concert <laughs> on the Klingon homeworld and be like, free to be you and me, everybody. You think the napkin people, you think they worry about what somebody's dad did? <laughs> That's right. They forgiven. They're giving sensuous hugs left and right. They don't. They don't carry grudges. They're, no. they're just like we're sorry you littered that time. That's why you were put to death. But no, you know we don't hold it against your kids. The kids didn't litter. And I welcome this huge one. Oh yes. Nice planet. Kittimer massacre. That's a big thing, right? Right. That's where. That's where uh, Worf's parents were killed. Yeah. They ate it. And that's where uh, we got yesterday's Enterprise. Boy, everything was going down at the Kittimer Massacre. The Kittimer Massacre is the equivalent of the Chicago's World Fair in 1893. Like, everything went down. Serial killing. So many things. Elephants, probably. The invention of the belly dance, or the introduction of the belly dance to American audiences. <laughs> like, stuff went down, in this, and it's the same thing. Do you think there was belly dancing at Kittimer? Oh, of course. Who doesn't like belly dancing? Belly dancing is awesome, and it takes some serious skill. And you know, as bony as the Klingons are, like, those belly dancers are not kidding around. Because yeah, isn't that hurt. the thing about... Remember when Klingon, like, Bev had to do... When Worf was sick or something? Anyway, and they have, like, a redundancy. Like, the, that's the other thing about Klingons, is they're so tough. They have, like, two skeletons, and they have two of everything. That's what makes them so hard to kill. Right. So I bet they have, like, two sets of abdominal muscles that can belly dance like you wouldn't believe. Like, I bet it's hypnotic. I bet their belly dancing is a kind of, of battle. It's a battle move. Sure. Like, I bet they could they could choke a guy with their belly dance moves. You are late. Sorry. I had to make myself beautiful. I fail to understand why. Guys, you're going to be happy to know. The actress who played Kalar, Susie Plaxon, like Brent Spiner, has an album. <gasps> it's called Didn't Want to Do It. You can go to her website, susieplaxon.com. And listen to Get it. Get on it. She's got a real she's got a real saucy outfit on there. Oh, of course. You might not have known also that she's a sculptor. Ah, oh, I'm so glad she's doing well. She sculpts elves? 
wow, this is really something. I kind of want to hire her to act in something now. She sculpts. She makes music. She's a real Renaissance woman. That's fantastic. I love Renaissance women the most. Susie, if you're listening, we'd love to have you on the show. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to dare. I didn't want to get mad. I didn't want to cheer. I didn't scream and yell because I didn't want to cry. Um, I guess we can uh, turn our back on this episode. <laughs> like we're in a... Like we're in some kind of... Kapla! <laughs> um, in some kind of honor circle? Yes. <laughs> oh, we got to give a shout out to the actor who plays Gowron because his eyeballs are a thing of beauty. Boy, they are. They are a thing of beauty. And when he smiles like a creepy guy, like don't you don't want to fight Gowron when he gives you that mad man grin. No. It's, it's um, funny to imagine Gowron, the head of the Klingon Empire, though, turning on that particular kind of charm in other situations. You're like, will my dry cleaning be ready by Thursday? And then he's like, yes. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> that scenery was tasty. <laughs> um, and Duras, he was a really good, that was good casting. Yeah. Um, all right, guys. Well, that's it. Yeah. We set phasers to fun. We did it. Um, as always, you can find us on Twitter at set phasers pod. If you want to email us in, set phasers to fun pod at gmail.com. If you want to buy some merch, <laughs> bit.ly slash set phasers merch, I think. If you want to start a Twitter campaign in praise of my joke about the KLS shoe store, uh, join join me. That's acceptable. <laughs> if you would like to um, join Megan's podcast about Josh Whedon's <laughs> shows, uh, she is looking for a co-host. My non-existent podcast about Josh Whedon. It's just really my diary. Dear diary, Josh Whedon is wonderful. Dear Joss Whedon. Dear Joss Whedon. I love you. Um, I think my feelings on that well, situation are clear. All right, guys. Well, that's episode 15. Kapla, Charlie. Kaplock to you. <laughs> uh, until next time, guys. Kapla to everyone. I wish everyone the best in their knife fights this weekend. <laughs> and I know come what may. It'll all be okay If at the end of my day There is you